you're listening to the Stir Crazy Podcast, and this is a long, 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 long overdue verb pod. Uh, I am not a full-on verb anymore uh, since I've gotten married, but you know, uh, I still have the name in my last name, and... I'm still me, man. I'm still dancing on my own. So I I thought it was time to come back to all of you. Uh, I see the analytics and not to toot my own horn, but beep, beep. Uh, verb pods are pretty popular. So I was like, let me come back and bless you all with my rantings and my ravings. So hello, 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 hello. Today is the 21st of January. Tomorrow I will have been married one month. Ah. Let me take another sip of my green tea. Yeah, married one month. Check in on that. Uh, nothing feels very different. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, I I don't say that as like a negative. Like I'm not like, oh, I hate being married and what a bad decision I made. Not at all. It's just like, I don't know if it's Corona. I don't know if it's depression. I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's just at least so far, like, hasn't been this transformative, like, it's hit me moment. Like, you're no longer single. Well, I mean, I I guess I wasn't single, right? But I mean, like, you know, like, there's no, there was no, like, line crossed yet for me. No aha, no, no, nothing. And again, it's not because I'm not happy to be married. Very happy to be married. Uh, I... I am happy I made the decision. I just am being honest as I tend to be. Like, I just, I don't feel like this big monumental uh, change in Mike and I's relationship. Maybe partially because there was nothing bad about it in the the first place. And I, I do not speak so candidly to um you listener if you are single or uh you are in a long-term partnership and you desire to be married uh I just want you to know I'm not saying don't do it it sucks not at all I'm just saying that I think that uh we all especially women uh, even the most like independent and um, non-traditional of us, I think that from a very young age, 
we are indoctrinated by all these constructs about this is something you aspire to do in your life and that it's the best day of your life and 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 you know the platitudes and hyperbole and all that go on and on and on and on and on and I'm just saying to those of you out there like me that maybe end up getting married and are not feeling at least yet like this big transformative mind frame um I guess I'm just being honest about it because I don't want you listener to think there's anything wrong with you because I don't think that there is anything wrong with you I don't think there's anything wrong with me like your experience is your own and you know there's a lot there's a lot going on maybe you know like I said maybe like right now uh in particular maybe part of it is just like there is so much going on every single day right and think when I was married or getting married a month ago tomorrow we still had Donald Trump as our president. We He was doing a bunch of just really fucked up, dumb shit every day. So, you know, he, he drained a lot out of that. It was the holidays, but it didn't feel like a traditional holiday season. Uh, you know, because usually... In December, you're juggling um, holiday holiday parties and birthday parties and deciding whether or not you want to go out for New Year's and uh, spend X amount of money and if you're going to get dressed up. You know, there's just so much stuff. Um, on everyone's plate, we're all trying to get through this time healthy, um, healthily minded as well. So, you know, um, every day is a challenge. And I think that the more honest we all are about our day-to-day feelings and emotions, I think the better we are. You know what I mean? Like, um, we're also used to living or being expected to live like this curated life, um, especially in the age of social media where, you know, if you're on Facebook, like you don't tend to write status updates that are like, I look in the mirror and I hate how I look. I'm so depressed. I feel like my brain is broken, whatever, you know? People would be like either texting their friends or texting you um, privately and being like, hey, is everything okay? If the one thing that this COVID era has done is maybe allowed us to not just those of us like, you know, I talk all the time about the fact that I've um, been in therapy for (laughs) so long now. It's just like second nature to me, but you know. Not everybody that 
um, has not been through therapy has the tools sometimes to talk openly about their feelings, especially in whatever normal means normal time. And I think the one thing about the COVID era that is profoundly not, I don't want to say great because nothing's great about this, but um, refreshing maybe is the adjective. I think people can be a lot more honest about saying I'm not okay. I'm having a hard day. It was hard to like get to work today um, or start your work day, you know, because most of us are working from home and I'm scared or tired. Whatever your feeling is, like, I think that that's been the one positive to this time is that like the collective is more able to be very honest about not being okay and I think that that is a joyful thing because I mean nobody nobody if everybody right now was still trying to pretend that they're doing great Like, even if you have a secure job right now and you are not on unemployment and uh, you have a roof over your head and food on the table and everyone in your family is healthy, your life as you know it has completely changed. And, I mean, we all, like all of us that know each other in real life or whoever you are and your friends, like... You're texting all the time. I mean, we probably all have um, carpal tunnel syndrome for sure because text messaging has become like your sanity, right? Like you're just like, oh, okay. So, you know, everyone's checking in and I don't think anybody who I regularly text with is having a good time. You miss your friends, you miss your family, uh, you miss being able to touch things and not be concerned if it's going to kill you. You, like, it's interesting because, um, you know, I've, over the holidays, I drink a few times, which I hadn't done uh, for, for months and months and months, you know, because of my appendix issue and um I drank the most I had in forever in December you know a the day I got married we drank and then uh my friend Christina's birthday is on on Christmas and so we had this big long zoom party for her which I'm still trying to teach myself how to edit because there's some really funny moments of it um, and release that at a further date. But, you know, I, so I drank that night on the Zoom and did I drink? Oh, I, I had shots. Mike and I had shots, uh, every hour with Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen on New Year's. So I drank more than I had in forever. 
and it was cool. But in general, to be very honest, since since my appendix, I I really haven't. <laughs> I don't know if it's just because like I'm still like navigating a world of like chronic pain or I don't know, but um, I don't really miss alcohol in a way that like I mean early early COVID as you can hear and I was listening to old early episodes the other day and I was like to Mike I was like shit we were so hammered every time but they sound great by the way um but we were drinking and like doing shrooms and weed and everything early episodes all the time together when we recorded and you know that's just not my my reality right now but um you know so I don't miss like drinking super crazy but I miss the act of sitting in my bar with my friends and the kind of conversations that you have in an enclosed space um or a booth at a bar um, the smell of certain bars, the bathroom smells, the shitty graffiti, the, you know, uh, the the ritual of who's going to go up and buy the next round. And, um, like, I have dreams that I'm in. Uh, my, my bar is the 500 Club here in San Francisco. We've... We've mentioned it before, shots to the 500 Club. So I just miss being in really tight um, booth, which got, they did a renovation when they got a new owner, like about a year and a half, two years ago, I guess it has been now, but, and they, we were really pissed off about it. This one side of the bar has these amazing booths, these leather booths. And there's only one, two, there's only like, God, I haven't been there in so long. I'm trying to remember one, two, there's either three or four. My apologies. Like I said, like, it's like, I miss the place so much, but I'm, I'm having a hard time right now. uh, Imagining the exact, I think it's three. Yeah. So there's like three booths. And they're, like, coveted, especially on, like, a weekend. If you get that booth, you're, you and your crew, you're sitting your ass down and you're not moving from it um, for hours. <laughs> and, you know, people come and go, they come back, they go to other bars, they come back. But me and my friend Christina or whomever I'm with, we hold that booth down and we do not let it go. And we kind of hold court. And so, you know, like I have vivid dreams of being there. Um, Pretty often, to be honest. And so I think like in a way, like I miss the ritual of being in our our favorite. And we also have a hierarchy. The The middle booth of the line of booths is our favorite and, or sometimes the one by closest to the door, but I just miss being in that middle booth and people showing up, like people like you are friends with. And I know it sounds funny to say this. 
you're friends with them. You might not even have their phone number, but like you're friends. It's hard to explain. Listener, you might feel this way. Like there's certain like bar regulars that become your friends when you've been going to a bar for me underage since I was in high school. It used to be really, I mean, it's a dive bar. It was not hard. So now that I'm 40, I've been going there for so long and you just become friends with people. You just know them. It's hard to explain and you miss them and you miss where they're like regular places that they sit. Like you just, in my dreams, I just like imagine this person at this corner of the the actual bar and um, rituals about it. And it's just, I don't know. You just like, you miss... You miss that. And um, I am definitely, you know, I'm so lucky going back to the wedding thing or marriage thing. Like, I'm so lucky I get to hang out with who I think is like a great person and so much fun and wonderful every day. But I'd be lying if I wasn't like, man, I could use a change of face or scenery, you know? And also because of my my um pain stuff like i'm pretty limited into so like i spend a lot of time in a room you know like my my bedroom is basically we don't have a living room yet but we're looking for another apartment if you have a reasonably priced one bedroom uh hit us up at podster on twitter and whatever our instagram name is but anyhow uh, yeah. So, you know, like I want to talk in person to other people and I want to laugh like we once did. And I want to hug. Um, I'm hoping one thing that, uh, goes over to non-COVID days is I really would love to do away with the formality of shaking hands of strangers. I mean, shaking hands in general, uh, I I think it's an unnecessary formality and I don't think it should be a business practice and I never want to see it again. I never want to see it again. Um, another thing I was thinking though, post COVID and I don't want to, I'm like knocking on wood right now. One thing I will say that is great about COVID era, um, is that because of the masking, I've gotten like little tickles and there's been some days that I'm like, oh my God, do I have COVID? Because I have a slight sore throat or like a little bit of a whatever. Um, But in general, like if you don't see the difference in your personal life, like uh, about like how like mask plus like, habitual hand washing has kept you from having colds, then you're fucking lying. So maybe, you know, maybe we could normalize um, 
kind of being like more like Asia in that way. I'm not saying like all year, like not summertime or whatever, but maybe like cold season. We still wear masks like um, to the bar or, you know, like when you're doing errands, like in highly populated, excuse me, in populated places. And definitely, um, you know, I've never not washed my hands, but um, I'll be honest, did I wash them as um, religiously before COVID? No. Definitely think that that was a good thing. We should all wash our hands more. So. So there. So there. Um, yes. Moving on. And I don't know how deep I'm going to get into it and how much I'm not going to get into it because I've been texting with my friend Pernil and I know he has interest in discussing some of these issues and as well as my friend Mihail. Shout out to both of them, um, friends of the pod, and friends in real life. Uh, we we all have interest in uh, breaking down kind of... <sighs> all right, I'm like cracking my back to get into this. We've all um, expressed or had conversations privately about the U.S. and... Um, imperialism and all that fun stuff and we all have very interesting backgrounds to have that conversation you know uh, Pernil's Indian Fijian Indian Mahal is a mixture of Eastern Euro you know Baltic Muslim and I was raised, as I've said five trillion times, as a conservative Jew. And I love my religion and I love my people, but I'm not a Zionist. So we all have some interesting perspectives that I think would be great um, for a larger discussion on the pod. But I did um, feel like verb potting today with some initial thoughts because yesterday was the inauguration of Joe Biden. And I made good on my promise. Uh, yesterday, I know a lot of people that are really into Joe Biden or um, felt, felt finally representation um, with Kamala Harris becoming the vice president. I wanted yesterday to honor that representation and joy uh, because everyone has a right to A, their belief system, and B, um, I definitely can, um, I definitely can honor at least people's uh, desire to see themselves in government and representation does matter. So yesterday, I, on social media, I refrained, <clears throat> or um, texting or whatnot, I refrained from getting on my high horse about my issues with the new administration. And also, yeah, I think yesterday for me was 
not a celebration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, per se, but it was a celebration, like, everybody, I'm walking. It's a cool thing about going remote on these bird pots, I can refill my seat. Um, I definitely, I had a rejoicing moment about the fact that the no longer have to be terrorized on a daily, hourly, so on and so forth basis by Donald Trump. But where I differ from a lot of people, and I know that, is that I personally am under no illusion that The incoming administration is, I mean, they're better in the sense that there's no outright fascists, um, at least that we know about, in the administration. But the reason why everyone might, or partially might be happy about the new administration is that you hear a lot of like, oh, I'm so ready for things to get back to normal. And, you know, I mean, I have boomer parents like you probably have boomer parents. And although mine are a lot more progressive in a lot of regards, and I can have very um, critical conversations with my parents about my policy um, disagreements with them on people that in the political landscape that they feel excited about. Like my dad was like, Biden looks like, you know, this election cycle, he's like, it looks like Biden's going to be the one. And he was happy. And he claims it was mostly because like how he read the, the field was that Biden was the only person popular enough of the 8 million people that ran um, to win against Trump. And (laughs) again, going back to many of my pods, uh, either independent or with Mike, as I've said, I agree with him only because I believe... If, as I've said, let me reframe, sorry. I haven't done this in a while, see? I have to fucking remind myself how to talk to myself and talk to you about things. Uh, I see the last election cycle pre-COVID and post-COVID. Pre-COVID, I do not agree, and I have told him, my mother, a lot of other people, If COVID had never happened, and if the DNC had done what they always do, which is put their favorite horse in the race, I, if COVID had not happened, and I I feel even better about this um, opinion after what happened uh, at the Capitol a couple of weeks ago, If COVID hadn't happened, Donald Trump would have won again. 
So again, uh, no shots to COVID, but shots to COVID? Uh, because, you know, if the DNC had job, they were going to job Bernie anyways, right? I mean, they jobbed him pre-COVID. Clyburn and the DNC, everyone jobbed. Job Bernie. They also, I mean, jobbed Elizabeth Warren for that matter. Kamala, and then, I mean, don't get me started on, well, we'll get into Kamala, but the fact that she ended up VP, that's all about donor dollars and Silicon Valley and all that shit. Um, what? Ooh, this is so. Wait, my friend Liz. Hi, Liz. Posted something. Fifteen Let's minutes see. ago. Hold on. One of the things that was very clear as recently as about fifteen minutes ago, when I was with the president, the is new that president. One of the things that we're going to do is to be completely transparent, open, and honest. Good. If things go wrong, not point fingers, but to correct them and to make like everything normal. we do be based on science Love and evidence. It. One of the new things in this administration is if you don't know the answer, don't guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just say you don't know the answer. Yeah, I can tell you, I, I take no pleasure at all in being in a situation of contradicting the president. So it was really something that you didn't feel that you could actually say something Love and there it. wouldn't be any repercussions about it. The idea that you can get up here and talk about what you know, what the evidence, what the science is, and know that's it. Let the science speak. It is somewhat of a liberating feeling. <coughs> Shouts to Anthony Fauci. Yeah, man, that must have fucking sucked. And so there was shit, huh? <coughs> See, now I talk about, like, being scared every time you cough, like, it's COVID. Now I'm coughing, and now I'm like, oh, shit, maybe I spoke too soon. No. Uh, anyways. Where was I? <sighs> Bernie got jobbed again. Elizabeth Warren got jobbed for that same reason, too. Whether or not you were a huge um, fan of Elizabeth Warren... Um, I'm a very progressive person and I get not shaded. And to be very honest, I don't care. Like, this isn't like a who's more punk, you know, uh, competition for me. I really don't care if you're like, how can you say you're progressive and you liked Elizabeth Warren? I liked Elizabeth Warren. Suck my dick. I don't care. Like, you know, I, I, I did. Um, but I also love Bernard and I mean, consistently Bernie Sanders, as we are seeing right now, uh, which is great now that he's the budget committee chairman and we are in COVID and the people after everything that Trump did to us, especially in terms of the vaccine rollout and testing and this and that and the UI shit, the unemployment insurance stuff, the people really need the help. The working class really needs the help. And it seems like, and I know it's probably temporarily, 
it seems like Bernie has got uh, Joe Biden's ear. Um, it's not perfect. It's not 100% Bernie. But I'm seeing a lot of things. Uh, for instance, student loan shit frozen till September. Love it. Let's keep that one going. Or how about let's get rid of it all? Nobody should have to be in debt um, because they decided to be, to want higher, higher education. Like I'm still paying off my fucking debt. Every time I pay taxes, my, um, my tax, uh, why can I never think of certain words lately? My tax return. When you get money back, you know what I'm saying? Fucking whatever. It gets stopped. It goes into my repayment, which I'm okay with. I don't care. I fucking pay my taxes and I have student loan debt. And I'm not trying to shirk that. But I would really like there to be loan forgiveness for fucking sure. Um... Biden says he's he's looking at a ten grand uh forgiveness. Nice start, I guess, but I mean sincerely, like I went to I went to art school for instance, and I still paid I believe um close to what people pay like when they go to Stanford or Harvard or Yale and and I was lucky, and I'm very grateful for two of my five years that it took for me to do college. Um, I was very lucky. My dad paid my tuition for the first two years, but then he said to me, he's like, listen, and he was totally right. I have no problem with this. He's like... I think it means more to you when you take on the response, the financial responsibility. And I said, I mean, you know, of course I'm like looking at the motherfucker like, dude, you could pay this shit. But he is totally right. I mean, not that I was never focused in school, but I I think I could kicked it up even even um more so and I took even more pride probably in my photography and my I mean I was just immersed like it was so like I I mean it's dorky but I wish I could go back to art school right now um the friendships I made and being in a consistently creative environment and always like kind of like scheming like um a project and bouncing off ideas with other creative people and watching people in the computer lab you know the digital printing dark room like do like work editing things and looking at it and being like damn in your head being like damn that's good I need to like kick my shit up a notch like it's just 
it's nothing like it. When you get into the real world and if you are a creative person for hire, um, you have to have that motor. Like, you should not be a creative person for a living, A, if you're expecting a huge payday. Don't do it because, especially in the Bay Area, you're not respected properly. Um, or you're doing a facet of creative work that you can do it, but you're not passionate about it to make money. And as always, if you're listening to this and you are a photographer, like I am a photographer, and you do things that I don't personally enjoy doing in in our lane, like, you know, the engagement stuff and uh, all that stuff. I don't begrudge you for doing it and I respect your hustle and I'm happy that you enjoy doing it because I sure as hell don't, but I'll do it and come to me if you want your shit to look um, different. I'm not doing things like everybody else. I have a different eye. I am a fine art photographer. I'm a documentarian. I shoot in a highly photojournalistic way. And even when I do event work and uh, people photography, I I apply that to the, those things. And I've done um, maternity work. I've done engagement work. And my photos don't look like most people's photos. And that's why people pay me to do those things because that's that's me and I'm really good at it so we all sorry I had to pause because Mike came home so let me see if I can still go off while he's like around skulking um Let me just finish my thought on photography. So yeah, I do what I do. You do what you do. There's room for all of us. Blah, 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 blah. But yeah, um, work-wise, like... If you... Um, if you're not a self-starter, you shouldn't be a creative and also, if you don't have a fluid um, way of working in the creative industry, you shouldn't do that for a living. Because, like, for instance, I am a photographer, but I also have um, sales and marketing acumen as well. So, when I was freelancing by myself for a long time like you know uh, you learn how to promote yourself and you learn how to garner clientele not just your friend circle although a friend circle is a great thing to have obviously and you would love your friends to refer you for sure um but 
you know, like to do this for a living, to be creative for a living, it means that you have to, to like massage your ego as well as, you know, understand what it is to work for a client. But, uh, anyhow, I didn't really want to go that far down that road, but I did want to kind of talk about that. But going back, ah, yes, going back to Biden and I was talking about Bernie's influence. It seems like on Biden currently, temporarily, probably. So there's been the talk about uh, the I think he actually signed an executive order yesterday um, putting a hold on student loan repayment till September. And then um, I had heard, but I don't think it's happened yet. There was talk that uh, Joe Biden was going to push for COBRA um, for everybody who lost their job or is uninsured until also September. But I don't think that that's gone into action yet. Um, And, you know, the $2,000 next stimulus and um, pushing for the $600 additional federally uh, boosted unemployment insurance. So those are all Bernie ideas because Bernie's the shit. Would I have loved Bernie to be our president? Yes. But um, right now, just looking at the landscape of things, like him as the chairman of the budget committee is pretty ex- exciting because, as they say, the power of the purse, right? So he is the power of the purse. Um, obviously, a president has ultimate says, but... We all know Bernie, and he's not going to back down. He's been consistent, um, pushing us towards a universal health care system. And I think, like, you know, we just hit, like, over 400,000 deaths due to COVID this week. And that is disgusting, and that is shocking. I mean, isn't it interesting that... Even in the country that it originated in, not that many people died. Sincerely, Trump is a murderer. And, you know, all these people saying that he shouldn't... Let's just move on as country. Don't try to, like, fuck with Trump. No, no, no. I mean, if you don't want to do... You don't want to go back to the first round of uh, crimes that the motherfucker has done like before he started office or whatever. I don't know. Although I would say you're all suck. Like if people go to jail for selling weed, I would argue that, and again, the carceral state is bullshit and I don't think people should ever go to um, jail for drugs of any sort I've been very consistent the only time I feel that people should go to jail are for murder attempted murder 
um, violent, violent, violent battery, abuse of children, um, and I guess abuse of, like, a, like very intense abuse of women. And I know that it can happen to men as well. So uh, if a female um, in a domestic partnership or whatnot, even if you're not in a domestic partnership, if you put your hands on a man or a woman and you basically like bash their fucking face in, I do feel like jail is necessary. I don't believe in the death penalty. I, Even if you've killed someone, I will never budge on that. I think that people can be reformed. I think that you can give them life imprisonment and you can have them sit there and think about what they've done. But I do think that there should be an appeal process. There should be, um, if people seem to really learn their lesson from what they did and they changed their life around, I think that they should be, be considered, even if they have committed a violent crime, I'm not so sure about the sex offender. I haven't worked it all out of my head, but I don't know about sex offender. It's tricky, but um, especially sex offenders with children because there is a lot of... There's a lot of data that says that um, people that um, are sexually assaulting children have a predisposition to doing it again. Uh, but... Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the carceral state, and I definitely, if you break into someone's car, I don't think you should spend large amounts of time in jail. I don't think that, I just, I mean, I know I'm on an island, well, actually, I'm not on an island, but I know some people are like, you crazy. Most people that steal, like, cars or possessions or any of that stuff, I'm a believer that you don't just, like, you're not born and be like, ooh, I want to steal. Most people that do crime like that they tend to be from low socioeconomic backgrounds originally, right? Like, if you can't eat and your parents are working like eight jobs and you're still having a hard time paying bills and you see that and there's a desperation and that goes back to Everybody, (laughs) this is my long-winded point. When everyone says that they're happy to go back to normal, my retort to that is, was pre-Trump really that good? Or was pre-Trump good to you because you're white and privileged or at least like white and middle class or whatever race you are or gender. Like we have been conditioned 
as a society for way too long to just accept how some things are just how they are. I keep going back to the healthcare system. I, I, I bring this up a lot in my private conversations with people, but also um, on here. When I think about people's attitudes, the majority of people's attitudes, and when you hear people, I mean, governmental people, it's one thing because, you know, pharma and doctors associations, all that shit, they have lobbyists. I'm, I'm transparent. My dad's a physician. The cool thing about my dad, we've had great conversations about this. He totally, like me, believes that there should be universal health care for all. That all human beings, as a right, not a privilege, have a right to not just eh, health care, that Everybody should have health care, health insurance, that you should be able to go to any doctor that you want, that you should, if you have something that you need a surgery for, you shouldn't be bankrupted by that. You should have the best medications. You shouldn't have to haggle over with your your um, health insurance company about medications that you need like people with diabetes like and insulin like you hear all these stories about like people paying out of pocket like four grand I think on here I once said that I take Zofran which is an anti-nausea medication because of um my lingering effects from my appendicitis uh, uh, appendicitis slash uh I I got sepsis and um I really fucked up my gut. I have nerve damage. It makes me very very nauseous. I take this medication Zofran. They're the littlest pills you've ever seen. They won't even give you quantity 30 like the most quantity that they'll cover as an insurance company is 45 pills. Um and you take it two times a day. So usually that would be a quantity 60. So they're only giving you 45 and my dad, because he's generous, he's like, oh, I want to get you more. And he tried to call me in a prescription because he's a, he's a doctor for quantity 60 and he's like, I'm going to pay out of pocket. And they quoted him like $7,500, $7,500. If you saw how small these pills were, you would fucking smash a window. He's like, what? <laughs> right? Like, and my dad now is of, he's 80 years old. So like he's on Medicare. So like he gets like pretty much everything subsidized as he should. Um, so he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, did you say 75? He's like $750. And they're like 7,500. He's like, get the fuck out of here. He's from New York the fuck out of here he's like that's highway robbery and then when we were talking he's like think about like um 
think about cancer patients that need Zofran. And I was like, right? And he's like, that is just so, um, so disgusting. And I was like, I know, dude. And he's like, he's like, that's just, he's like, that's, that should be criminal. That should be absolutely criminal. And I was like, homeboy, welcome to Bernard land. I mean, my dad likes Bernie anyways. He's like, he's a New York Jew, you know, New York Jews love New York Jews. Um, and we love Vermont, so on and so forth. But so there's, there's those sort of issues where you have people conditioned to truly believe, like when you talk to them about the thought of universal healthcare, they've been so conditioned to believe that if that were to be, or like, um, you know, the fur, the little kind of like put your toe in the, the lake, so to speak, the cold water is like, you know, if you want private insurance, you can keep your private insurance, but then if you want to do in a public option, so Everyone's been conditioned to think that universal health care or Medicare for all or what, however you want to frame it means that you get worse health care. Like it's not as good as your, your private health insurance, which by the way, unless, and I used, I used to have this growing up. Unless you have a fucking, I don't even know what they they are anymore. Um, and actually, I'm gonna go to the HealthNet website. What they used to be called, uh, HealthNet, HealthNet of California. Unless you have like a platinum, fucking PPO that you pay like eight trillion dollars, find a plan. Let's see individual and family plans. Let's see how much it is nowadays. Provider search, pay my bills. I just want to see. Provider search, find the care you need. Member login, I'm not a member. Provider, pay my bill. Why can't I find out? Uh, why won't they show me what the plans are now, yo? Enroll now. I'm going to pretend while we're talking. Uh, let's get started. Get more information about our plans. So everyone, like, unless you have, like, this, like, crazy fucking um, platinum plan. Wow, that's shady. They won't show you on the website the plans anymore. They keep redirecting me. Wait, maybe this is it. Enroll. Shop. Okay, our plans. Wait, our plans. Get ready. Get set. Shop for... This is way too hard already. 94103. So I'm telling them where I live. San Francisco. Individual. Who will be covered? Are you... No. 05. 1980. So I've had conversations with people. They're like, 
Um, number of people in your household. Let's see if you, yes, I think I qualify. No, I make more than this. Okay, I'm lying, but let's see. So, like I said, they really think that they're, um, okay, platinum, bronze, silver, EPO, I guess that's the new minimum cover. Okay, so let's see what their platinum 90 Um, P P E P O is fifth. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> For a platinum 90 P P O, the monthly premium is $1,630 and 33 cents. Get the fuck out of here. $5 copay for tier one drugs, $15 copay for tier two, tier three, $25 copay, tier four, 10% up to 250 per script. If I pay $1,630.33 a month, I want to have an orgasm every time I make that payment. What the fuck is that? Okay, so you, you get that shit. That's still, that's trash. If you pay that much for a monthly premium, you should have $0 copays. Office visits, $15. Deductible, zero. In network providers, which is, that's the other thing. Like, network shit. Coinsurance, 10%. Max out of pocket. 4,500 per member, 9,000 per family. So, okay. Like at my last company that I worked for that I didn't, you know, that wasn't me freelancing. I had Kaiser. They had Kaiser. And we all had like the silver plan. The one thing I liked about it is it covered chiropractic, which I was into it. Um... But covered through your employer. Let's see. So let's see, like how much um your how much gets taken out of your fucking paycheck, right? If you have to pay high taxes, as we do, especially in California, and you get hella shit taken out of your your paycheck every month, shouldn't you get more for what you, the taxes and the shit that you pay? But really, again, it, I mean, as somebody who is aware of economics and sales and marketing, like it's this implied value. You see words like gold or um, platinum and the implied value is there. You're like, if I have this, whether it be I'm paying for it individually or whether my company provides it to me, this, this, um, level of health insurance, then it's really good. But really when you look at the, like, 
the the fine print and the details. Like I said, if you if you either pay for it yourself or your company or it gets taken out of your paycheck, like you deserve a reach around for that fucking shit. So that that whole thing, the implied value of free healthcare versus privatized healthcare, that that construct needs to be broken down because it's absolute bullshit. So that's, you know, that's my healthcare spiel. But then, okay, going back to normal, going back to normal, what does that mean? So, I mean, what does that mean? We still have troops in other countries. And again, you can have respect for people in the military. I have a bunch of friends who are some of my best friends that are in the military and I thank them for their service. They know that I am so thankful for their service and they're, a lot of them are like legacy, like their parents were in the armed forces. My dad was Air Force. So, so, so proud of people that um, sacrifice and serve. But I would rather there be no wars anywhere. (laughs) I would rather my friends never have to still be called up if shit pops off somewhere. Um, I have seen friends come back from tours of duty that had extreme PTSD from what went on in Iraq and Afghanistan and I don't wish that on anyone and I also just kind of feel like why (laughs) the the bill of goods of American exceptionalism like what does that mean if anything the last four years with Trump like has illuminated like we're we have a high high propensity for being embarrassing human beings a good portion of people um they call themselves patriots what is it patriotic to be racist is it um patriotic to be homophobic transphobic is it patriotic to think that your white skin is better than your brown brothers and sisters and Asian brothers and sisters. Um, your life means more in this country than them. Um, you are, is it patriotic to be like, Oh my God, like it is so sad with those people in cages, like, you know, putting children in cages and like separating them from their family, but Oh, well. And like, you go on like eating your, your, you know, your dinner and watching CNN and, and all that shit, like, the, it's not us, it's everybody else, like, kind of, um, tenants of this bullshit American exceptionalism has been exposed to be that bullshit. Um, a lot of us have felt that way even before four years or five years ago, because that was the start of the election cycle, but, like, It's just not, not true. And it's not like you can't have pride to be American, but.
but to make comments like I I'm so glad things are going to go back to normal with Joe Biden is just nonsense because Joe Biden um as I've said multiple times he himself is a good person like he seems like a nice man um some people I I I believe women but I like I haven't read anything concretely that makes me think he is truly a lecherous man, but I mean, I'm show me concrete something and I'm totally fine. Like, um, I mean, I think, you know, pre COVID was he a little bit too touchy? Um, and maybe definitely without consent. Yes. A lot of people looked on some people like, for instance, me, I am a nice person. I'm a jovial person. When you meet me most of the time, um, I'm not big on hugging or affection unless I'm super close to you. I'm just not a, I'm not a touchy feely warm person. And I definitely like, um, I don't like being forced to embrace somebody if I don't want to. And I um, definitely, you know, some people think it's just like old school folksy, like that he's like, I'm a hugger, you know, but he does need to like get hit with it. Like people have boundaries and you can see when people are like, he's like, touch me. I don't, I don't like it. So, I mean, that is definitely something um, that I'm not like, fucking like woo joke but I don't think that he is like an awful person although as somebody who as I've established I'm a nerd I watched the Anita Hill hearings when I was little I will never be able to forgive him or get out of my mind how gross he was right there along with all the GOP people him in Orrin Hatch fucking toe to toe to toe we're both awful fucking white men treating this woman, Anita Hill, this fucking hero coming forth. You're coming forward talking shit about Clarence Thomas, who is about to be, and as we see in history, our let's get back to normal um, great fucking country built on oh-so-great patriarchal value systems, this woman is telling you these embarrassing personal details of how she was sexually assaulted and sexually harassed by this man in power. And just because he's a conservative, quote-unquote, which, by the way, may the GOP burn and burn soon, um... Joe Biden, just like all the GOP senators on that committee, were awful to Anita Hill. I I can't get that out of my fucking head. I will never forgive him or forget that. Was he going along with the gang? I don't know. 
I, I just, was it a different time? I don't care. It was disgusting. Going back to how it was pre-Trump is not okay with me. Because that is being, that is signing on to consenting to the patriarchy conditioning you. And one thing marriage hasn't done is fucking turn down my fucking insane, insane, insane feminism. So I don't want to go back to that. I want to break through that once and for all. I want equality. I want wage equality for women. I want women to be believed. I want, well, you can't, you know, it's, it, you know, you hear stuff. It's tricky, you know, the cancel culture. Stop. I want to abolish the the words cancel culture. Cancel culture is bullshit. Cancel culture, again, is just the patriarchy trying to pat each other on the back and make their guilty feelings about times in their life that they've treated women either on a low level, disrespectfully, on a high level, maybe sexually assaulted or um, didn't respect a woman's back. You know, I I don't I don't know what to say to you cancel culture people, but it's very interesting to me that the people that use that that language. Yeah, I'm gonna make a generalization. They tend to all look the same and have similar interests and also tend to use words like thought experiments and groupthink and and they think Barry Weiss um formerly of the New York Times and the Weiss Wall Street Journal is like for a girl brilliant because you know what Barry Weiss is a self-hating woman who then hides behind the fact that she's a lesbian and or should I say I mean I think she's dated men too uh, nondescript uh sexuality and I don't even really care about that that much but that's somebody who, whenever people are critical of her, she loves to throw out the fucking anti-Semitism card. And she, people like her, especially as I got older, are one of the reasons I definitely stopped like aligning with Zionism because like you can be Jewish and I have a right to exist and my people have a right to exist. Obviously, Palestinian people have the right to exist. The Israeli government is a terrorist organization and 
just because we are marginalized doesn't give us a fucking green card or green light, should I say, to then literally and, you know, figuratively throw bombs at other people. And then when people are critical of our opinions to be like, I am so offended by this criticism of me, a Jewish lesbian that I, 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 I don't even feel comfortable making entirely too much money as an op-ed writer for the New York Times. I'm leaving and I'm starting a substack where I can spew anti-Muslim rhetoric safely in my Zionist fucking cave of shittiness. Like, Barry, maybe we're offended because A, you're a shitty writer. Like, I mean, I am, I'm offended she gets paid the amount of money she's gotten paid from very, 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 you know, esteemed places. But, oh my God, my friend Bianca is so funny. Um, But also, like, you know, the more we go in this circle, though, like Zionism or, you know, imperialism, nobody's winning. America, we're not winning shit. We're just keeping the military-industrial complex going. Um, Every administration, you know, Raytheon, uh, this administration is going to be rolling in the dough just as much as the last administration. There's not going to be some, like, fucking, like, super progressive, like breakthrough in terms of how we discuss inflated military budgets, right? You know, think about if we cut our military budget so much, which by the way, we have so many bombs, like how many bombs do you fucking need? Like you shouldn't be using and you got the drones and you got the this and you got the that. How about cut some of that budget and Put it back into the people. I pay taxes not to bomb the shit out of people in other countries or to have our ambassadors go to foreign countries and tell these foreign countries, you guys need to do it like us. Really? Because, okay, so, for instance, everyone loves being like, Venezuela, ah, communists. Um, okay, yeah, Nicolas Maduro, not a great guy. Um, as most people like him, like, or like Castro in Cuba, these people usually start from a really pure place and then they do get high on their own supply, you know, whether it be the the power of um, so many people being captivated by them or, 
you know, following them and it's a movement and it's great. They take a left, a left turn, a lot of people, and um, it goes left. I, I have no illusions about that. I, even in my very, very, very left-minded thing, I mean, I'm not like, I love Che Guevara. I, I think that uh, Fidel Castro was a brilliant man. I mean, he was. And I mean, part of how you get people to like, follow you is, you know, a lot of brilliance, but then get a military doing whatever you need. Like, there you go. But, um, but I'm also like, I'm not a purist in the sense that I think that everything that they did is great. And I mean, look, Venezuela, Maduro is stealing the wealth from his country. I I have no illusions about that. But I also like know that the CIA um and it's documented uh as much as they would like it not to be like Elliot Abrams who was last administration still skulking around it's funny how these like awful people just keep on coming back. How the fuck is Henry Kissinger still fucking alive? And he's still skulking around and he's still giving his opinions on how to do really fucked up shit in other countries. Um, you know, for how many decades now? Carl Rove and Dick Cheney's live and blah, 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 blah. Those people are fucking awful people. Those people believe... Dick Cheney belongs in the Hague. George W. Bush belongs in the Hague, in my opinion. Why do we talk about Nicolas Maduro? And raise our eyebrows and point our fingers to him. And we forget Iran-Contra. We forget how we aided and abetted rape and genocide in Guatemala. El Salvador. My long-winded point is that a real change is necessary. How do we as Americans stop policing the world. When do we as Americans heal 
the very real problems we have going on in our country, which is poverty, wage stagnation, and wage inequality, gender inequality, uh, homophobia, transphobia. Um, There should be a basic income of some sort, a higher minimum wage to reflect what it would have been just in a natural um, manner because of growth, um, economic growth, that somehow instead of, I mean, think technology, all the things we do, all the innovations in this country, the fact that in certain states, there you go, federalism, states' rights, GOP, you fucking suck. Anyhow, there's some states where, like, I think Texas, like, people, let's see, what is, what is minimum wage in Texas? $7.25 in Texas is minimum wage. And they're fighting the thought of a $15 minimum wage. And P.S., $15 minimum wage is bullshit. Because if we have had exponential growth, which we have, the way things were going, especially towards the end of the 70s, that's when things start to stagnate economically. And if we hadn't trickle down economics and all that fucking, again, GOP shitting and creating the wealth inequality. Reagan, Bushes, and then this last schmuck, who's not even really a Republican, was never really a Republican. Donald Trump has no ideology. He's just trying to rape our country of everything. Most economic um, masterminds would agree, conservative ones, uh, more liberal ones, a Catherine Rampell and that Stephen Moore schmuck face and a Robert Reich and blah, 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 blah. Most will be honest and say that by the natural growth of the economy and how our um, our different, I mean, think how many things like marketable um, industry we have and innovations that at least if there had been no wage stagnation that there should we should be at at least like a 23 to 25 dollars an hour minimum wage think if we at least and i'm not saying that's even good enough but at least we everybody had the peace of mind knowing that they at least are are going to have a $25 minimum wage and that 
think if we had universal health care, Medicare for all, whatever you want to call it. Think the improvement in the poverty crisis, the financial insecurity crisis, housing insecure people. Think how much improvement there would be if everybody at least made $25 an hour. And also, if we stopped making these ridiculous, like, kind of educational requirements to obtain high-paying jobs, like... I am happy that I graduated. I am happy I got my degree. There's never a day that I'm not proud. But, for, but you know, I have a degree and I still, a lot of times, like there's all these like weird like algorithms of like if I was to like try to get a job or whatnot, like... I'm so qualified for a lot of um, creative department jobs, but like I've applied for, for a lot, you know, especially like, you know, um, for unemployment requirements, you have to like be applying to jobs right now. And I'm like, oh, I could totally do that. I, and you go on LinkedIn and it, it says, oh yeah, you have like nine out of 10 of the things that this job is looking for. And then I don't get the job. And then I'm, like, thinking to myself, if 9 out of 10 is bad, like, what am I missing, right? So I chose to be educated in art. I decided to get my BFA, and I love that decision for me. But I also, my husband, he doesn't have a college degree, and he's an amazing videographer, pretty much self-taught, and... I don't feel like I'm better than him because I have a degree uh, at all. And so I'm just saying, like, there's such a bastardation, bastardization, you got it. You know what I'm fucking saying. We disrespect people with degrees and we also disrespect people without degrees because we do not give reverence to the working class, which all you millionaires and billionaires, the reason why you're millionaires and billionaires is not because you're all that, that like cool either, but you were smart enough to hire a lot of people that are really good at what they do, whether it be in the tech sector Like, you got the best engineers. You got the this, that. You are billionaire. Even people that are paid well. I have friends in the tech industry, of course, and they get paid well. But if we had a more equal, especially economically equal society, if the people that own the company are 
billionaires, 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 billionaires. Shouldn't my friends that are making engineering and coding and doing all the product that makes you the money to become a billionaire, if you're a billionaire, in theory, shouldn't my friends be millionaires? I mean... Some of them, I mean, some, listen, I will never make the money that some of my friends in the tech industry, I, I've made peace with that and that's fine. But I'm just talking about like labor, like work, like, um, intellectual property, all of that stuff. We boast about American exceptionalism. We're the most amazing country in the world. We are the still, despite all the raping and pillaging that uh, the last administration, or to be very honest, like the GOP and and even Democrats, like centrist, center right Democrat uh, systems have you know been pilfering too for for many decades. But we are still the wealthiest nation in the world, yet we have. So much inequality. Um, The wealth divide. And then, not only the wealth divide, but then you factor in gender and you factor in race to that. I personally... do not see greatness. I mean, there's obviously, I'm not not proud to be American. I, I love my country, but I love my country so much that I want to make it better and not great again. Because when was it ever great? We are a country built on murder and imperialism stealing indigenous land forcing indentured servitude slavery and then you don't want to be checked on all the bad things well it wasn't me who did that I didn't have slaves why are you so See, and I'm I'm white, so I'm gonna I feel very comfortable every time this comes up when I talk to other white friends of mine that are defensive about it. Well, yeah, okay. We we know that you didn't own slaves and maybe even your grandparents didn't you know, great great I'm an immigrant, blah blah, blah. I'm an immigrant you know, I I'm a Jewish American, so obviously I came from people that were uh, persecuted and, you know, experienced genocide, uh, that is disgusting. So because of these things, because I love my country so much, I never thought it was great. Doesn't mean I don't love it. 
Like, I've had boyfriends I loved. And they were shitheads. I love them. It wasn't a fake love affair. Like, we loved each other. We had real memories and, and great times and bad times. But they weren't good for me. And this country is not good for a lot of people. So, like I said, I want to get get more into this with other people to bounce off thoughts regarding this subject with, like, my friend Pernille and my friend Mahal. So I'll kind of, like, kind of try to transition out of this. But, like I'm saying, my last, last point. Or a repetition of my point. If you love America which I think we all do. Like we want for our interpersonal relationships, like you want friends that are there for you as much as you are there for them. In intimate relationships, you want a partner who is going to love and support you in the way that you love and support them and is there for you when the going gets rough. And and you, sometimes you're their rock and um, sometimes they're your rock. I want an America that isn't just a good boyfriend or girlfriend or even booty call for just not only white people, but um, white people of affluence. I want everyone's country to be the same good boyfriend or girlfriend. If you're Latin, if you're black, if you're Asian, if you're Indian, um, if you are gay, if you are trans, if you are non-binary, if you have fucked up teeth, if you like the Kardashians, if you hate the Kardashians, um, if you live in Delaware, if you, I mean, let's stop pointing the finger at other nations and telling them you guys suck and and this that and the third and let's once and for all in our homeland and I don't mean this in populist like a populist way like I'm not Steve Banning saying like we gotta put America first no we shouldn't put America first We should just maybe stop the conversation of centering America or as the end all be all and the all knowing because we have a lot of work to do to clean up um, our country in terms of inequalities and... um, and stop being hyper capitalists and start saying 
how can we share in the prosperity and not just like, you know, just like all these people just like sincerely, it, it just like when you see a Forbes list, your head should explode. There are people proudly um, vying for the top of a list of the, the person who has accumulated the most independent wealth in the world or the country when there are people dying on the streets, homeless, um, having like, like it's winter, like there's, and we live in California and it's, it's cold. Think about places where it snows. And there's, it just, to me, the fact that on a daily basis, so many people don't think about those people is just proof positive again. Like, why should we feel like this country was ever great? And is the installation of this new administration going to improve on these deficiencies that our country has and is it going to stop the imperialism complex that our our country has where they think that they it's like one hand they're like telling um authoritative people like Erdogan in Turkey for instance they're telling Erdogan Hey man, knock it off with uh, Armenia, which, hey man, knock it off with Armenian. And I mean, for sure, like you should fucking knock it off. But then yet, Turkey and Saudi Arabia, they're at all the G. G8 summits and NATO shit. Erdogan, during the Trump administration, he and his people came to this country and when people were peacefully protesting Erdogan because of, I mean, the list of... um, human rights violations of that fucker, for sure. But um, when people peacefully protested his visit to the White House, he allowed his bodyguards to beat the shit out of the protesters. Now, again, I believe it's not our job to police that but why is that an intelligence partner for us why on some things we wag our fingers at him but then 
we give these people money or, oh, well, Saudi Arabia. MBS is a fucking murderer. So even, I mean, even pre-Trump, like, why? And they've been doing the shit. They've been, um, you know, they're... Their human rights violations and also their their hatred of uh, women is disgusting in that country. They electrocute um, act, like feminist activists in that country. They enslave them and they electrocute them and they rape them and all this shit. And 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 how do we stick it to them? We give them weapons. But we we shake shake our finger at them and it's like, you know, we know you killed Jamal Khashoggi. But ah, fuck it. Here's an F-35. And if we're all like, America, fuck yeah. Fact remains, the majority of the, the people that... Um, carried out 9-11 and I mean there's you know I, I'm not gonna go down the Michael Moore rabbit hole but like you know there are some interesting associations with the Saudi um, royal family and the Bush family starting way way back in the day when uh, Bush senior was the head of the CIA it all goes back to the CIA it doesn't it I mean, there's just just some food for thought about um, inequality in our own country and the things that we need to improve upon before we start being like, yeah, man, we have all the fucking answers. Uh, and, and yeah, so, uh, but I'm going to pause on that one for right now, and I hope to... Uh, me and my friend Pernil were texting the other day. I hope maybe to set up a a broader conversation about this this weekend. So I'm going to stop there. Uh, one last thing before I go. Uh, nothing to do with politics. But uh, so I, you know, I think I've talked about it on here. I briefly went to boarding school in Vermont, uh, until I, <laughs> shocking, got into trouble. So, uh, in high school, I, I did a brief stint in Vermont. I went to Vermont Academy, which was in Saxton's River, Vermont. And it's in, it's, first of all, it was one of the most beautiful places I ever had the, um, the, the pleasure the privilege. I mean, talk, <laughs> that's privilege. Yeah, I'm boarding school. I mean, that's a privilege. Um, what a privilege to have lived in such a beautiful state, but also the part, like, all of Vermont is beautiful, but the town that I lived in, and, you know, I came from San Mateo County, which you know, I thought of it, I thought that was like a small sub- suburb, you know, kind of thing. But Saxons River, we're talking Main Street, had a Chinese restaurant, a diner, I think, that I never went to. 
this um, general store and then adjacent to it was like this pizza place that had like also like subs and a lot of time, a lot of my parents' money was spent there. Like it was the only thing going on and you were allowed to walk to that main drag of town. But, um, so yeah, I went to boarding school at Vermont Academy for a bit and one of my best friends to this day is my friend Demery, friend of the pod. Hey, Demery. And I had a really good friend who I, I still talked to her up until my 20s, but then we just kind of, she came and visited me in San Francisco in my 20s and it was a kind of weird experience. And then we kind of like fell out of touch after that. But uh, another one of my best friends when I was, at boarding school was also a housemate of mine and her name was Caroline and Caroline was like from Italy Italian but then by weight she came to VA she had lived in Chicago for a while so she was like fully Italian with a Chicago accent when she wasn't speaking Italian and I think like her biological father also might have been Swiss and just really rich and beautiful girl, very wild child, very secretive. I still remember this one uh, Sunday, I believe it was. We were just talking for hours and listening to music in our, our dorm room. Because I think at one point I I had this one roommate who had the same name as me. So we became the Lawrence, which I hated this Lauren and so it was painful but um I think because of our friction and then Caroline lived in the same room as this girl Molly and I think they had a falling out and so I think at some point I moved in with Caroline and Molly moved in with Lauren, or I lived with Molly. I don't know. I it's amazing. I have a very good memory, but uh, there's a lot going on that time in my life. But anyhow, but Caroline and I were hanging out one Sunday, and we were just like listening to music and talking about boys, and and like I think we smoked pot. We used to smoke cigarettes and pot in the shower because there was a vent. And back in the day, like everyone, even like, and there was day students. That's like my friend Demery was a day student. She would come into our dorm to like change for like uh, soccer practice or basketball practice. Or just like if she needed a place to put things down for um, study hall or whatever. We, we, we were all friends, so... We always, we had day students that were our homegirls and they were always coming in and out. And they'd also, sometimes, I I have memories of like five people, five women in this like shower stall, all smoking cigarettes and like reaching for the vent, just hoping our, um, you know, because we had like the smallest dorm. It was like literally a house and our... Uh, a, she was a teacher. I think she was a math teacher. She had her own apartment 
downstairs. Like, she had her whole, like, her own apartment. But she was our dorm parent. So, like, of course, she could, like, come up whenever. And so, you know, doing drugs and um, smoking cigarettes was always, like, you know, really thrilling thing. And very, we could have very easily, a lot of, a lot of incense burned in boarding school and a lot of Nog Champa and shit, uh, or wait, no, uh, what's the, patchouli. It's the only thing that could, you know, cover the cigarette smoke and, and shit. But anyways, so Caroline, this one time we were just chilling for hours and I think I like, I might have, like, turned around to, like, change a CD. And then I turned around and she, like, I saw her put something in her mouth. And I was like, what did you just do? What would you just swallow or whatever? And she's like, oh, just some acid. Like, she was that kind of, like, she loved drugs. I mean, so did I. But um, she was, like, entertained, like, and... She just did what she wanted to do. So, yeah. um, So, yeah. Like, uh, yesterday, when all the Bernie Sanders memes were going around, which were great, made me think of my time in Vermont. And so I had posted this picture on my Instagram stories of me, this girl Molly, I don't fucking like her, um, and Caroline from my time in Vermont. It was like the first snow when I lived there. Old Polaroid that I uh, I had scanned. And Demery, I mean, we talk pretty regularly. She DM'd me and she's like, wow, Caroline, it's just, that's so crazy how she's, I forget exactly. I could go read my DMs, but I'm not going to. Basically paraphrasing Demery, so crazy that she died. And I was like, what are you talking about? Um, I was like, what do you mean she died? She's like, oh yeah, she died in 2015. It's a really weird story. No one really knows what happened. I think she died in China. And I was like, what? Like, what did she die of? And Demery's like, I don't know. And... So then, of course, I'm like, do you have obituary? Like, how am I just hearing about this now? Like, Tucker's like, oh, my God, you didn't know. I'm like, obviously not. This is, like, crazy. So I, I'm, i like, Googling her um, name as I knew it to be when we went to school together. It's like, it's like she's a ghost. Like, no obituary comes up. Then Dunmery shows me this um, posting from, I guess, when people found out that she died. And so that she had a married name. I knew she had a son. When I saw her in her 20s, she had had a son with this guy, but it was a sketchy dude in Colorado. He was like a drug dealer for raves. <laughs> And she was living in Colorado with him and he was a bad dude. And she was actually in San Francisco. She was helping him sell a bunch of E. Like I said, it was a, it was just like a sketchy situation. And 
he seemed like an asshole and she's like, yeah, but you know, and so she had a kid with him. And I said that to Demery. I'm like, doesn't she have a, a kid? She's like, yeah, she has a son. I'm like, what? So, okay. So Demery presents me with this married name and it's not the dude she had the son with. So I'm Googling and all that comes up with the other names is like, I guess at one point she lived in Texas. One point she lived in Florida. And on one of the like, um, like kind of white page entries that came up, it said she was deceased. No obituary, nothing. And oh, the weirdest. And on one hand, I laughed because, like I said, uh, Caroline was a very mysterious, foreign, like, I forget what her mom, how she was rich. Like, what did her dad do in Switzerland? I don't know. There was just so many questions and never any answers. So I'm just like, so the one weird thing is she has on Facebook somebody, I don't know who, started like a... Caroline. Yeah. Started a Facebook page, like a fan page. It says, this page is to worship the goddess with the love and adoration she deserves. It has a picture, I guess she got married at one point, and it has her... um, hugging her son and it's really cute and she's so beautiful like she always was but there was like no and whomever on this fan page like they're they stopped posting in 2017 um but anyways uh just real quick yeah so like finding out that information was shocking and also um public post 2018 i miss you so much think of you all the time the smile those eyes your beauty inside and out you're a star caroline you will shine forever my heart weeps and i ache to see you one day we will meet again I don't know who that is but uh yeah me too uh dude whoever you are but um He looks like a fucking drug addict. Uh, Anyways, but we don't know. We just, I just, it's like I'm shocked. I'm not shocked. I, I, I don't understand why there's no obituaries. Like, she had family. Um... So I don't know. I guess I just processing it. I I'm gonna try to do some more searches and find out more information if I can, but I mean I know she's been gone since twenty fifteen, but like just finding out about it now is pretty weird. So anyhow, thanks for listening. And um it was nice to do my own verb pod and uh 
I hope you stay safe. Like, we're, it looks like the country's turning a corner in terms of the COVID stuff, at least. But yeah, you know, kind of think about what I said. How can we make this better, this country better? Like, for real, for everybody, not just like a small part of the population that usually are white people. How can you, listener, contribute to a more equitable and just society? How can you contribute to breaking systems of oppression? I mean, it's pretty heady, I know. It's like a lot of things to think about, but it's time. I mean, I feel it's literally the age of, age of Aquarius now. So, I mean... If not now, when? Um, So I will speak to you soon with Mike in tow and maybe some special guests. Have a good day. Verb out.